Hi, I'm Patty Smith. This is Bert Newton. Hey, this is Karen. Oh, I'm Sam from Interpol. I'm Carlos from Interpol. This is Martha Wainwright. Alex from the Orb. And you're listening to a Triple R archive on rrr.org.au. <laughs> Secrets that are mine alone. tuned to 102.73 Triple R. It is time for this week's edition of Radio Marinara. We are the program about all things wet and salty. My name's Bron Burton. I'm John Ford. Oh, we got you there. <laughs> you might want to say that again. John Ford, Excellent. that's me. <laughs> How are you, John? I'm doing well. We had a little flurry of activity when we suddenly all realised that we didn't have any kind of weather forecast. We didn't have the news. No. We didn't have the weather. Um, the weather may not have happened. Well, uh, I, I don't it may know. not be happening. I think uh, it's still happening. I don't know happening. how much weather is reliant on yes. Radio Marinara, but, you know, we've, <laughs> we've never really found out, have we? So we had kind of a sudden rushing out of the studio to locate today's paper so we could bring you the weather, which we will do shortly. Thank you very much, Tim, for Vital Bits. Tim's third um, radio He's broadcast. waving like the Queen. No. Waving at us all. Thank you, Tim. Mm -hmm. Tim, um, I was here for Grand Old Twang yesterday. What a wonderful, wonderful two hours of radio that was. My mm -hmm. first first time at Grand Old Twang. I've wanted to come for years, so it was fabulous. Such a Tim is so unbelievably hardworking. Anyway, great news. And just, great I'm just music. kind of trying what to add up eight, eight hours of live radio this yeah. weekend. So thank you, Tim. Yeah, and thank yeah. you, Andrew Minga. Bit of Clapton this morning on Salty oh, yeah. Bits. Yeah, mm. yeah. That was lovely. Today's program, uh, getting on to all things wet and salty. We are shortly going to be catching up with Gabrielle McCorkle. She is from a group called Stop Adani, Mornington Peninsula. They've formed relatively recently. Um, like many, many Australians, extremely concerned about the proposed mine in Queensland by the Adani Group and uh, galvanising to do something about it. So Stop Adani, Mornington Peninsula are having an event coming up. Uh, 
to draw attention, have a film screening. So we're going to be catching up with Gabrielle about that and talk about what you can do if you want to be part of this group. Mm-hmm. And save the reef. Mm. Stop this disaster from occurring. There's still an opportunity to do that. We're then going to cross to Terry Allen for a dive report this week. People are diving, John. It is so cold. Mm-hmm. Hope they got dresses on. People are diving. Um, we were talking about this with Dr. Surf last week and also Captain Windshift about, you know, the the activities that you would normally associate with warm water and warm air and summer and, you know, spring and autumn either side of that. But there is a hardcore group out there with each of these activities that continues through winter. <laughs> well, they invest so much in their gear. I yeah. mean, you know, particularly if you want a cold water dive, you know, the amount of, amount of money you have, you have, you have really good wetsuits, you know, wetsuits and dry suits. And, you know, you're getting you know, good gear. I mean, talking you know, a lot of money, you want to get your value for that. For you some of it. throw it in anyway. For just, some of just, it. Just but surfers, you know, may have bought their board five years ago. The they may also may have the 22 boards on well, a service like that as well. Maybe I think they it's a momentum thing. the board thing. For, their, for the day. I don't, I don't know how yeah. they do it. I'm sure Dr. Surf has talked about that in the past. But well, how one chooses the board for the day and the conditions. But I don't know. I'm not a surfer, so I don't know. <laughs> so we'll talk to Terry. About, I actually want to talk to her about winter diving. But um, also there's been a I lot of... If she's got favourite... That's interesting. She's got favourite gear and she chooses. Yeah. Well, she's things. just come back from the Philippines. I don't think that was so much of an issue in terms of choosing dry suits but but no but she she's diving and the cuddles are very active at the moment the cuddlefish yeah yeah, south australia so down at point lowly which is in spencer gulf they've um, have the yearly aggregation the uh, spawning mating aggregation Mm. and they they they're they're pretty cool in terms of their their mating displays and you know that's all about pairing up so it's all about showing off and the males all little colors and then bands and all this sort of stuff and try to you know sidle up to the female cuttlefish and you know yeah it's great and so it yeah it, and apparently you can go down you can go down there so it's um this is why so it's near Wyala, right and because they've they've realized this is the only place where you can go and view in a mass sort of aggregation of cuttlefish and there's giant cuttlefish so they're you know they're, they're pretty amazing creatures anyway if anyone's ever seen one and uh yeah so there are a lot of dive companies and so on now are going and you can dive it's really shallow water it's only one two three meters of wow. water and you can just sort of just hang out and watch them what do if, their little displays i wonder if Wyala has a big cuddle you know, cuttle. The big cuttle, that yeah. is in like some... Bil- oh, like a big banana and the big yeah, pineapple okay. and, you yeah. know, the big earthworm that used to be down at Langatha and they need to have I think a big cuttle. the time for those things are a bit over. But really? everything retro comes oh. back, right? Everything retro comes back. Big I don't sheep know and if that has really come. It'll start in Brunswick. What's Brunswick going to have the giant... Like latte, takeaway coffee, or something. Turmeric yeah. latte. It's got to start here, guys. If we're gonna, if we're gonna, Nerida, re- if we're gonna wanna... retro it up. Nerida, is panelling for us today. You were so unaware on this. Good morning. <laughs> <laughs> what should Brunswick have? We need to oh. get back to marinara stuff. <laughs> I don't know. Maybe you should go to the Middle Eastern side of things. Mm, yeah. Mm. I don't yeah know. What like the the giant. Like pide or yeah. like a yeah. kebab. No. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> sure. Like a, yeah. Falafel. The giant falafel. Nice. We could put that it's to Moreland. Let's put that to Moreland Council. Could be vegan, vegetarian. Vegan, vegetarian falafel. There you go. Let's go back to turmeric latte. <laughs> might be limited. I had I had turmeric tea. Did you? In, in Sydney a little while ago, yeah, golden tea. It was delicious. Yeah, it is. Delicious. Really good for you too. Mm. Anyway, not that I'm spruiking anyway. any kind yep. of product. 
Ten. You can make it yourself. And you can grow it yourself. You can grow turmeric, and this is not the gardening show. This is radio. Yes, Marinara. let's go back to But Marinara. you can grow turmeric in, in, uh, in Melbourne. Really? So oh, cool. after we catch up with Terry <laughs> Allen for the dive report, it will be the end of the show at this stage. Um, we got a very excited to have in studio Diane Bray. She's a senior curator of vertebrate vertebrates, I believe. She says, checking her Animals sheet. Animals with backbones. Yes. Marine. Yes. Vertebrates. Yes. Senior curator of vertebrate zoology. There we go. At Museums okay. Victoria. She was one of the scientists aboard the investigator. The investigator was a CSIRO uh, ship. Um, this particular uh, expedition was headed up by Museums Victoria. Mm-hmm. Uh, went up the east coast of Australia from Launceston up to Brisbane, sampling deep sea waters. What's down there? Mm-hmm. Down to 4,000 metres. 4,000? So um, Diane is coming in to talk about a particular discovery, and it's kind of a rediscovery, but it's a rediscovery with a twist of a type of fish, which is called a faceless fish. And so mm. she's going to talk to us about that, but also some of the other amazing things that were discovered on that particular voyage. Mm. And then, John, you have some news. Yeah, I've got a few bits and pieces about tidal power and about giant icebergs and, you know, yeah. yeah. So anyway, we'll, get, we'll get to those ones. Excellent. But um, should we do the weather? Yes. Because it won't happen without us. Not the surf report, though. Uh, so if you miss the... If you miss the surf... As in the surf won't happen if I, if I don't give a surf report. No, we're not giving a surf report. Um, so Dr. Surf came on the program last week and there are... Uh, he uh, alleges... Um, what, there are inaccuracies with yes, the surf report? Yes, So what, They're trying to put people off? Well... Because <laughs> it's all conspiracy theory, theories when it, comes to, when it comes to surfing. Should have been here an hour ago. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so anyway, let's, let's forge ahead. Okay, right. Weather, if you please, John. Um, anyway, today is going to be cold. If you haven't got out of bed yet, you may not know that. But if you're out of bed, you do know that. So 12 degrees as a top. It was a minimum of three this morning. I'm sure up where I live in the hills, it was even less than that. So tomorrow, it looks a lot better. We've got 15 degrees um, with a shower or two and windy. So, yes, better in one way and not better in others. Uh, 14, 14, 14, 15 and 15 through the week. And there's pretty much rain Every single day, not a lot of it, but it will be raining. So 15, 14 to 15 and raining all week. Um, but not today. Not today. Chilly and sunny. Yeah, chilly and sunny today. So Great. Tired and times? Tired times. We know they're accurate. Yes. Well, at Point Lonsdale, we, have a, uh, we had a high tide at 4.20. We had... He'll have a low at 9.59, so not too far away, and then another high at 4.50. And apparently the surf does not exist or <laughs> if there you are want, waves. And <laughs> if, you want an accurate, um, if you want an accurate surf forecast, go to Swellnet to their actual page. And ch- uh, sorry, as in web page, and uh, and see what they have to say. Their website. Well, or you can look at the cameras, right? They've got cameras. Yeah, yeah, stuff, yeah. So. What's what's online is good. It's it, the issue is what gets translated into the yeah, paper. Right. So if you want to check for the surf forecast, go and have a look at Swell now, mm-hmm. um, or wait till Doctor Surf comes back on. But that might not be for a while. <laughs> you may be getting some old. <laughs> you won't get news. one today. Yeah. <laughs> um, I'm thinking perhaps what we might do is. Do you want a quick news item, John? Yeah. Should we do that? And yeah, then we'll put on a track. Let's do that. Well, we have talked a little bit about those um, those 
those, those cuttlefish, haven't you? Um, but I will just talk a little bit about the about tidal power because tidal power is 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 you know the potential for you know harnessing energy from the seas is is quite amazing, right? In terms of so many ways, you can have your wave power and tidal power. Is the great thing about it is it's consistent. We know about tides. We know that they always happen. That sometimes they're strong and sometimes they're weak, but we can predict that with uh, amazing accuracy. And they can actually power turbines, as in the water moving through back and forward in and out of, you know, small, you know, well, you'd want to place your turbines in an area which was kind of like a constriction point Mm. so that you get a very fast water movement through those. Um, But yeah, but you know that you're going to get power for a lot of the day, unlike... You know, wind, which has sort of, you know, you cannot necessarily predict. And so there's all that potential there, but it's the engineering which has really sort of got to, right, how do you put a turbine in the water when it's moving really fast, when waves could come and just absolutely trash, trash it, you know? And so we're getting to the point now where there are very large tidal farms uh, around the world, but none in Australia. And so the government has just invested, I think it's part of a $5.8 million project to investigate the, you know, really get on the ground and investigate what the real potential is for tidal power. So I think it's the Maritime College has this kind of, you know, a tidal turbine that they're taking around the country and actually putting it in, you know, in, in little spots to see, all right, well, can we actually get some good, good um, energy out of this? And mm. they reckon that if we can... Um, get a couple of tidal um, power units going and they've got some ideas. There's some down in Bass Strait near Tasmania, northeast Tasmania, but also the really big tides up north, so around Broome and near Darwin. If we can get them, then we they would easily replace Hazelwood as sort of energy output, so by having tidal power. So anyway, that's a good that's a good good news that kind of we now have the technology for tidal power. Um, we just need to find out whether it's going to work here in Australia. Mm. Yeah. Thanks, John. No worries. Cool. Mm. Yeah. Stay tuned for more on that one. It's 13 minutes past nine. This is Radio Marinara. We're going to hear an old one now from uh, Do Re Mi. If you're at the Community Cup, you would have seen wonderful Deborah Conway singing with her family. It was wonderful. But this is getting us right back to 1985. Playing this one for Digit Dick. He's a uh, triple R subscriber and particularly for Radio Marinara. And he actually lent me this CD. So this is from Domestic Harmony. It's called Cuttlefish Beach. Hi, this is Tim Whitten. If you want to know what's going on in the ocean, tune in to Radio Marinara on 102.73 Triple R. You know where it is. Uh, 
It is 19 minutes past nine and you are listening to Radio Marinara on 3RRR. Now, as we're sure that you are all aware, plans for the biggest coal mine in Australian history are extremely close to getting the formal go-ahead from the Australian government. If the proposed Adani mine goes ahead, what will likely result is the doubling of Australia's carbon emissions as the coal is burned at a time when our emissions need to be drastically cut. It will also include the spending of a billion dollars of public money to build a necessary railway. Stop Adani Mornington Peninsula is a local group with serious concerns and equally serious drive to do something to raise awareness about the consequences of the Adani proposal. To tell us more about the group and an upcoming film night, we welcome to Triple R from Stop Adani Mornington Peninsula, Gabrielle McCorkle. Good morning, Gabrielle. Good morning, Bron. Thanks so much for joining us. Thank you. Thanks Great. for giving us some space on the program. Oh, no, it's such an important issue and it's so good to have you here. Let's start with your group, Stop Adani Mornington Peninsula. What can you tell us about what you're doing in your group? Well, basically, we're a group of concerned local residents from the peninsula and surrounds, and really, we want to raise awareness and take action against the proposed Adani mine up in Queensland. And um, are you just Mornington Peninsula, or does your membership extend beyond your group? We're not just Mornington Peninsula. We also include residents from surrounding areas such as Frankston. Okay. And, and how did you actually all come together? Was it just, is it one of those sort of groups that forms organically through, you know, conversations um, at the park or over coffee or that sort of thing? Or is, is it sort of, how did, how did you actually all come together? Well, I was actually a later member of the group. Um, so the group was initially formed by two women who were friends um, and they took the initiative uh, quite a few months ago. And I was first personally made aware of the issues through the Australian Conservation Foundation. And when I was doing some research about what my local federal MP, Chris Crusoe, was doing, um, I came across this amazing article in The Australian that really moved me and made me want to take action. And it was from there that I then did some research, came across the group and got involved. And um, many Australians, and we're guessing over 100%, you know, well, not over, but (laughs) we're guessing 100% of Triple R listeners are really concerned about the Adani proposal. Are you finding that in speaking with people with your group, that that the sort of the awareness of it is um, starting to grow, people kind of aware of the seriousness of of what this actually means, or does it sort of vary with, you know, group to group and across, across, um, I suppose, in your case, Mornington Peninsula. Is it it something that most people are aware of or or you think people are still not quite aware of of the seriousness of what's being proposed here? I I think it varies. That's been my experience. Just this last week, I've actually been hitting the streets and talking to people directly in my electorate about the issue and gathering um, some survey information so that I can take it to my federal MP to have a conversation about it. And I've realised that... The majority of people know about it, but if they don't, within two minutes of talking to them about the background to it and what it actually means for our country, they're very quick to come on board. So of the 50 or so people I've interviewed so far, no one has shown any um, resistance to wanting to stop the mine. It's an interesting one, isn't it? And it's with all these really big campaigns that have to start at a, at a, at a small level but grow and grow and grow, usually according to the seriousness of it and the consequence of it as well. And we've sort of found that over the years as we've come across campaigns that have started with, 
one person sort of starting to spread awareness and, um, they're, they're, you know, you could name all sorts of things, um, the, the impact of films like The Cove and Blackfish in terms of cetacean captivity, um, what's happening at the moment with um, with helium balloons and, the you know, the call to ban them, um, plastic bags, so there's been some yeah. big developments with that too. Are you yeah. finding the same thing with what's happening with, you know, the, the ground swell to really kind of do something to, to stop this proposal before it, before it becomes a reality? Yeah, definitely. And I was just on the um, Stopadani website last night and I was amazed that there's over 150 Stopadani local groups across Australia with about 55 of them being located in Victoria and quite a number along the coast. So, you know, we're one group in one location and it's great to know that there's a whole web of us out there taking action. Mm. And we've, that's something we've noticed too with um, drawing that parallel with the helium balloon issue. Um, we came across this by speaking with somebody who had started a local group um, on the southern New South Wales coast uh, and then realised that there was another one sort of up in um, on, the, on, on the Gold Coast and then bit by bit sort of these groups all discovered each other and really came together. Is that something that's happening with with the um, the move to stop Adani too, that your groups are all sort of starting to come together. I kind of I have this image in my mind um, from Terminator Two, with the, you know with the bad cop that's made out for that molten metal that all sort of sort of forms together and becomes something really powerful. Is that is that sort of something that you're looking at doing? I I think it's definitely happening, and I know that people from different groups are chipping in and helping each other, um, so that we have greater impact, and also taking inspiration from each other. So I was just last week having a look at some work that was happening up in um, New South Wales around Stopadani, um, and you know a local group had come together and been able to shut down three of the local Commonwealth banks that weren't getting on board. So Commonwealth Bank is the last bank to still um, have its. Uh, hat in the ring for potentially providing funding to Adani and they were doing some amazing stuff and I was sharing that with our group and it was really um, invigorating the group to say okay well what are we going to do in that space so Mm. we're definitely leveraging off each other um, and working together. So let's get down to the actual tin tacks of the issue and then we'll talk about your upcoming event and the film screaming, screaming, <laughs> screaming, maybe both. <laughs> there might be screaming. <laughs> so um, so what, what is it that concerns you the most? Like we mentioned, obviously, there's the, 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 the issue with carbon emissions. Let's, let's get down to the tin tacks. What, what is it that concerns your group the most about it? Well, I would say it's the fact that we're still debating over coal. Mm-hmm. And we're not talking about renewables. So we believe we need a short-term transition plan to renewables, not a new coal mine with a life of uh, until 2080. And the thing that scares us is that the Carmichael mine is one of nine coal mines proposed for the Galilee Basin. And it's like, when as a community are we going to say enough? Coal is not the answer. Yes, it's been helpful in the past, but it's certainly not our future. And that's on without even considering the resources required to operate the mine and the potential impact on our beautiful reefs. Absolutely, that's sort of where we come in. In terms yeah. of in terms of your involvement, um, Gabrielle, have you got any insights that you want to share with our audience? You know what? I've actually been amazed at how easy it is to take to take a stand on this issue. And there's something that we can actually all do depending on time availability and I would encourage listeners who have felt touched by the issue to actually do the same and there's you know there's things as simple as online petitions available just this week I joined a phone tree which is a two-minute commitment once a week for six weeks 
And the aim of that phone tree is to ensure our Prime Minister's office receives a call every five minutes from Australians concerned about the coal mine. And, you know, if you've got more time, then you can actually get out in your own electorates and start surveying people and finding out what their views are with, you know, the view to taking the results to your local MP and actually getting our federal members speaking so, up on this issue. So I've talked about your event uh, and this film screening coming up. Tell us a little bit about that. What have you got for your upcoming event? So we're basically hosting a screening of the documentary, uh, Guarding the Galilee. It's a 30-minute uh, movie and it basically goes into the fight to stop Adani. And then we're going to follow that up with a discussion and really looking to hatch a plan about what we can be doing more locally to keep the coal in the ground. And it's on Tuesday night, this Tuesday, at Common Folk in Mornington. So that's um, their 16 Progress Street in Mornington. It's starting at 7.30. And just a quick shout-out, if I can, Bron, to Common Folk. They're a great local um, venue, and it's been fantastic having them behind the group. And they do some really um, important work supporting local causes, so thank you to them. Fantastic. And for our listeners uh, on the peninsula or mm. extending beyond, uh, you know, and of course you're not going to be limited by boundaries, if, if there's anyone listening who wants to be part of this, um, how can they get involved? Have you got some, uh, a, like a web address or something like that they can find out more information? Yeah, they can jump on. We've got a very active Facebook page, so if they want to jump on Facebook, it's Dofadani Mornington Peninsula. They can like us and follow us, and we'd love to have them involved in the group. Awesome. Thanks, Gabrielle. We'll put a link to that on our Facebook page as well. So um, you can either check that out for yourself uh, or go to the Radio Marinara Facebook page and have a look through that as well. Good luck with Tuesday, and um, we'd love to keep in touch with you in terms of how this progresses over the months ahead. Lovely. Thanks a lot, Bron. Thanks. Take care. Thanks, you too. Bye for now. Bye. Gabrielle McCorkle there from Stop Adani, Mornington Peninsula. Whoop, sorry, we'll just pop your mic on, John. You should always pop my mic on. Look, I really loved, um, really loved Gabrielle's comments around, well, it's actually been a lot easier to get involved because particularly with something like, like this, the Adani coal mine and being against something, a lot of people, in my experience, um, don't want to be against something. You know, it's easy to be against something, but there's alternatives here mm. and there's constructive alternatives that we could be putting these $1 billion loans and, you know, how we can get our energy and all this sort of stuff, which may be more compatible with the reef actually existing and providing the wonder and providing the jobs and all those sort of things into the future. So for anyone who is, you know, in that space, this, isn't, this is actually a cause where there is a positive alternative and it's just not just a negative stop the industry thing. So that's my take on it anyway. That's right. The solution is right there. Estamos escuchando Radio Marinara en tres triple R. Yes, you are indeed. Uh, it's 9.31 and without further ado, we're now going to cross to Terry Allen, our dive reporter for a dive report. Good morning, Terry. Good morning, Bron. Uh, how are you? Have you been diving? We've been talking uh, earlier in the program about diving through winter. Uh, right, yes. You, you've been out amongst it? Yes, I have finally uh, got back in the bay. It's been a few weeks of uh, uh, a hiatus a little bit, being in the warm waters of the Philippines, etc. But um, no, we had a terrific uh, day yesterday. It was actually uh, Paddy International Women's Day uh, Dive Day. And uh, we just use it as a bit of an excuse for a bunch of girls to uh, get together, have a dive, and then we had a nice coffee and brunch afterwards uh, down at Blairgarry. And how was it? We're, what's the water temperature down to now? Well, we're now 
Uh, down to 11 degrees, <laughs> which is, uh, it's already pretty cold actually for July. Um, so as your listeners may be aware, of course, the bay in winter starts to get colder than the ocean. And the ocean's about, I think about 13, Dr. Surf would probably know. Um, and yeah, the bay's sort of 11 to 12. So uh, yeah, we, we had a bit of, we had nice conditions, although there was a westerly, it was lovely, calm down there, beautiful clear water. We had very good visibility. And um, the, mo- the big highlight, of course, after you played the song about cuttlefish earlier, was uh, mating cuttlefish in Blegary. And talk us through that to, in terms of what you see when you see cuttlefish mating. I know it's, it's a spectacular thing to see. <laughs> You know, keeping in mind it's a family-friendly time slot. <laughs> That's right. Well, I, I will say we it's been very interesting by Gary. Um, you know, as many guys in Melbourne know and, and probably your listeners, it's become such an amazing ecosystem there, you know, with the, the sponge project and the big walls uh, of, you know, naturally occurring sponges and fish. And, and with the recent works at the marina, they actually put these large... Um, I'm not sure what they're made of, canvas or nylon, sort of big uh, sheets on the ground tied into the pier. And I think the idea, I'm not sure of the reason why they're there, but I think it's sort of, to, I imagine, to stabilise the sand, hmm. uh, stabilise the, the um, and as a result, it's actually become a very nice structure for uh, lots of weed and bryozoans and things to live on top of. And underneath, it's created this fantastic little microhabitat for uh, fish um, and, of course, the cuttlefish. Um, and in Melbourne, we tend to, you know, cuttlefish are pretty common and you see sort of ones that are about, you know, 20 centimetres or so long. But this is the first time I've ever seen really large cuttlefish and it's the first time I've ever actually seen them doing them the mating behaviour, which was just such a buzz. Um, so we had a smaller female sort of sitting in hiding under this uh, under this sheet, and then we had a large red male, very excited, and uh, <laughs> with his uh, <laughs> arms, his, I don't know, what are they? Uh, the flanges sort of around the, the side. Yeah, depositors, I can't remember from my zoology all those years ago, but... Um, yeah, so obviously very interested, trying to get near the female. And then there's some other footage. A friend of ours took the video, and there's a large, the large male and a very small male. And the large male goes, "Get lost, she's my girl," <laughs> and chases him off. Oh, it's it's really good. Fantastic. Yeah. Oh, is there any way we would be able to um to see that, Terry? Do you reckon your contact might be um, agreeable for us to put that on our Facebook page? Because I'm sure yeah. our listeners would love to see it. Yeah, yeah. Look, the the, um, the woman diving with us was Erica, a great local diver. She lives down on the peninsula at Mornington, and um, I'm sure she'd be more than happy uh, for you guys to post it up. So, um, yeah, there's, there's nothing like seeing the video, and you think, wow, this is in our backyard, this is happening. And, you know, many of us sort of think about driving across to Wyala in South Australia for their fantastic cuttlefish, you know, my, um, aggregation and mating. But, yeah, to see it here was really a buzz. That's awesome. So we're going to have you in studio soon. And, of course, we've got Radiothon coming up pretty soon as well, which is going to be uh, very exciting for us all. So yeah. Um, yeah. And you're going to go diving the next few weeks, obviously? Uh, yes, I, I think so, yeah. There's actually... Uh uh, I'm not diving today, but there is also a clean-up dive happening at uh, Flinders Pier today. Um, so that's a regular sort of once-a-month thing we do in our club. Um, yeah, so I'm sure 
I'll be doing some more diving, although I have to say 11 degrees for 65 minutes was about my limit. (laughs) My lips were frozen. (laughs) Oh, it would be. Hey, Terry, thanks so much for uh, for joining us, and we look forward to having you in studio soon in the next couple of weeks, but obviously for Radiothon. I think we're going to have to call you, like, Terrifying Alan or um, or Terrible Alan or something like that. (laughs) <laughs> We're going to give ourselves all different names for Radiothon, I think, this year. We'll work on that. Okay. Yeah. All right. Okay. I don't mind tasseled anglerfish. <laughs> oh, excellent. <laughs> cool. Thanks, Terry. No we'll catch you soon. Okay. Okay, see Bye. you. Bye for now. Terry Allen there, our dive reporter. And now you got me thinking about my horror name. Yeah. I'll go back to you on that one. Yeah. Mm. Uh, okay. It, horror fish. That, we're creating horror fish. How exciting. Yeah. I haven't had thought of that yet. Right, good. <laughs> if you're wondering, when you subscribe during Radiothon, you mm-hmm. get you get your own fish name and we try and make them... A, Themed? Yeah, thematically the appropriate. Yeah, so you'll get a horror fish name this time. Yeah. yeah. So I've started working on them. We, we'll talk about this in the green yeah. room after the show. Yeah. It's always horror fish to- name or or just really scary looking fish well it could be either i mean there are some obvious ones like um hagfish and goblin <laughs> yeah. fish and um, goblin fish. blobfish and creepy clownfish yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> but yeah stuff like that yeah like, i think we're gonna make a few of those <laughs> exactly <laughs> oh it's gonna have a lot we're gonna have lots of fun all right it's uh 37 23 minutes to 10 and um we are going to listen to uh, a beautiful track from martha tilston's cd which uh tim thorpe introduced to me a little while ago. This is from a 2014 release called The Sea. Oh, actually, before I do that, we have a giveaway. I'm going to mention this one now. So um, we have uh, four double passes to go and see Real Estate live at Triple R. This is during Under the Sun on Sunday, 23rd of July at 7.30pm. So, so it's next Sunday? Next Sunday. Next Sunday, 7.30pm? Yes. yes. Yeah, Real Estate. Yes. yes. Did I say the 16th? Because it's next week. No, no, no. Next weekend, 23rd. Excellent. Yeah, I just want to This is a big one. This is a big one. a big one. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So yeah. you can give I us a call. <laughs> so uh, In the Mind is the fourth album for New Jersey indie rock five-piece real estate touring Australia this month with shows at Splendour in the Grass and the Croxton in Melbourne on the 22nd. The band will play at Triple R Sunday the 23rd of July to play an exclusive live set in front of an audience. So if you want to get along to that... Kent's going to take your details. You must be a Triple R subscriber. You can give us a call. So we've got four double passes to give away. Nine three double eight one zero two seven. Let's listen to that Martha Tilston track. This is lovely on the water. And then when we uh, come back after that, Diane Bray is going to be talking to us about the faceless fish. Martha Chelston there and Lovely on the Water from the Sea, released back in 2014. It is 9.43, you're listening to Radio Marinara on 3RRR. Now, back in May, you may recall Museum Victoria's Tim O'Hara came in to speak with us about an upcoming expedition and investigation of Australia's East Coast deep sea environment. Over 31 days, 58 scientists worked around the clock to sample and document marine creatures from one of the deepest and most unexplored environments on the planet. Well, our next guest was one of those 58 scientists on board and made some amazing discoveries, including a fish not 
not seen for 150 years. Diane Bray is Senior Curator of Vertebrate Zoology at Museums Victoria and she joins us. In fact, she's returning to talk to us uh, about her experiences this time and discoveries on board The Investigator. Good morning, Diane. Good morning. Great to be here. It's great to have you back. And we were speaking off air in the green room and you did remind me that you have been in before, but not for a few years. Yeah. Yeah. I think I was talking about an exhibition at Science Works. Yeah, Deep Sea Exhibition. Yeah. That's that's what it was. John and I were racking our brains trying to work out. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. So it's great to have you back. This time as um, Senior Curator Zoology at Museums Victoria. It's actually Senior Collection Manager, but, you know, I'm happy to be elevated. (laughs) (laughs) I'm going off what was in the press release. Does that release. mean I get more money? <laughs> you'll, have to, you'll have to take that up with your people. With, with back pay, I think. <laughs> anyway, talk us through what it is that you do and also how you came to be on board The Investigator. I'm really keen to hear this story. So my day job is essentially uh, I manage a fish collection. I kind of oversee the management of our vertebrate collections. I mean, these wonderful libraries of life that we have in museums. You know, they are the libraries of the Earth's life. Um where you can time travel back to the dinosaurs and whatever. And so I do that. I also spend a lot of time developing um, and administering Fishers of Australia website. If nobody's seen that, take a look at it. I um, know it well. Don't worry. <laughs> and, you have um, a fan right here. <laughs> I wrangle fish, essentially. And awesome. try and do a bit of psychon along the way. And so how did you end up on board the investigator? Did you, was there a call put out and you put your hand up or you asked to go? How did, how did that all come about? Uh, well, there were... I th- there was 50, 40 to 50 scientists from 14 institutions in seven countries around the world. And because it was Tim's trip, we fish people just said, yeah, we're going. <laughs> <laughs> and that was that. <laughs> and that was kind of that, yeah. What was it like being on the ship? It, oh. Was it your first time at sea? No, no, no. I've been on the investigator a couple of times okay. before. Um, and I love being at sea. I love, you get away from all the administration stuff, but it's just <laughs> fantastic to being out there in a multidisciplinary amongst a multidisciplinary bunch of people who do all sorts of different things. You know, we had people doing all sorts of things from looking at bioluminescence to looking at forams to look, collecting plastics and rubbish. Um, just fantastic. I love it. I love being out at sea. And just to the excitement of when a, when a, one of the collecting gears comes up to, to see what we will find. We had no idea what we'd find, and it's, it's just fantastic. Mm. Were you, was there anything particular that you were looking for? Did you kind of have like a bingo card in terms of, you know... Anything in particular, because we'll get on to talk about the faceless fish in a second. Anything that you were really looking for? Like, Was there a bit of a holy grail for you? Not really. We didn't know what to expect. We knew the kinds of things that we'd expect, but, um, you know, the kinds of fishes that lived down there. So we were working on the lower continental slope and then down on the abyss, and the deepest one we went to was about 4,800 metres. Oh, wow. Um, Yeah, 4.8 kilometres below the surface. That's a lot of rope, right? That's an awful lot of rope. (laughs) Fortunately, not piano wire like the Challenger, (laughs) but it's an awful... So that that particular net took seven... Point eight or something like that kilometres of wire to get that wow. down. Yeah, and hours like six hours turnaround, something like that. So yeah, it's a big effort. Um, so we knew the kinds of animals, fishes that we would find. Um, unlike Tim, where brittle stars come up in every freaking bit of net gear that you put down. <laughs> you know, he's so lucky. He works on brittle stars, and and they are in absolutely everything. So for him, it's a fantastic. Um, animal to look at and not only that they're preserved in ethanol so he's got dna samples from around the world you know Mm. um fish we knew the kinds but we didn't really know you know we knew we'd get tripod fish we knew we'd get sort of 
things. Did that, you say tripod fish? Yeah. What are tripod fish? They're spider fishes. They're those wonderful things that stand up off the bottom on their stilt-like oh, fins cool. and face their pectoral fins, face some of their fins into the oncoming current, and they can actually feel they've got really, really... Re- so many of these animals have reduced eyes, fishes, because there's no light down. There's only bioluminescence from other animals. And so these guys face... You can see fantastic... Images are on, especially Noah Okeana's site. They face their fins into the oncoming current and they can actually feel with their fins the animals coming by and then just sort of eat crustaceans and things like that. Just, mm-hmm. I mean, but there's, yeah, some of them stand up on, their fins are longer themselves, so they're literally standing up on tripods. Mm. You know, just mm. amazing. How cool. So we knew we'd find them, but we didn't actually, you know, we didn't know what kinds. Yeah. So let's get on to the faceless fish because <laughs> that's, that's been the poster. That's Absolutely. the pinup. That's the pinup. That and the penis worm, yeah. Uh, Right, well, we'll get on to the penis worm in a minute. (laughs) Let's do the faceless fish first. So talk us through the discovery because this was a really, really big deal, wasn't it? It was a really big deal. This fish that was half a metre long came up in a net and seriously we thought we'd hit the jackpot. Um, We were on 12-hour shifts, so there was two of us. There was myself and John Poganowski from Syro National Fish Collection in Hobart and we'd never seen anything like it before. Turns out, and so we thought, wow, this thing that pretty much like a tadpole head with a long body, um, nostrils at the front of the head, a mouth on the underside. <laughs> we didn't know what it was. Um, turns out the very first ones were collected on the voyage of the Challenger, and I keep talking about this was the world's first oceanographic voyage that for four years circumnavigated the globe. Just amazing. Trawling with piano wire. <laughs> <laughs> they could put gear down. I think once a month they put gear down really deep. They could they could work to 6,000 metres. Wow. And it was challenging for us, but I just can't imagine what that was like. Yeah. Can you imagine? Yeah. Mm. <laughs> Amazing. Um, what kind of ship was that? Was that a... It was a combined sailing ship sailing, and steam. Sailing steam. It was a modified yep. okay. sailing and steam. So yep. I imagine they did a lot of sailing to conserve. Yeah. I mean, they had to have coal. Yeah, for sure. You know. Um, amazing. Mm. They, yeah. So this, it wasn't on our radar. But turns out one of the type specimens was collected in the Coral Sea just outside Australia's EEZ. Mm. And... And I know some press release says it wasn't known for 150 years. Well, it actually is. You can actually see footage of it on Noah's site, and there's been some images. But and we ended up getting four of them. Right. But holy crap, it was just amazing. It was fabulous. Oh, wow. Yeah. And what? So describe it. So you were saying that it was a, it's about half a meter in it's length, about half a meter long, and it looks like it got kind of a tadpole head, no eyes, yeah. mouth underneath. What would be its closest? Um, um, it's a cusk eel. So there's lots of their... Um, oh, right, so it's an e- a type of eel. It's a type... No, it's not an eel. Right. They're a, an ophidid. So a group of animals, cusk eels, most of them would live in fairly deep waters. We've got some in shallow mm. waters in the bay, but most are deep. And, and they're in, you know, parts of groups of fishes that really do get into the deep sea. And I read it, it was described as gelatinous. A lot of the animals that live down there have um, really soft, watery, gelatinous flesh. It's more buoyant to have flesh like that. If you've got dense muscle, um, that's that's heavier. And these guys, they just swim kind of in an eel-like fashion. They don't swim fast. There's no reason. They're probably one of the biggest things that lives down there. Um, yeah, there's no no sharks or big no, predators down there, so there's no, no reason for them to move fast. No, yeah. no. Mm. Um, there's no reason. So, and they've mm. got a mouth on the underside. Uh, Somebody has looked at... I mean, some more of them have been collected around the world and they eat polychaetes and crustaceans so, and they've got a mouth on the underside so whether they grub around in the bottom, it's kind of a little bit protrusible. Teeth? Mm. Yeah, they've got little fine teeth. Okay. Little fine teeth so they're not... So more yeah. likely to be benthic 
kind their feet, of scavengers. Yeah, right. Yeah, okay. Yeah. Uh-huh. So swimming, cruising near the bottom. Right. Mm. Let's talk about the penis worm. <laughs> <laughs> Big debate about the penis worm. Um, some people thought it was a cypunculin and then it became Sorry, so what's that? a cypunculin. So they're peanut worms. Right. Peanut worms are cypunculins. Um, and then there was a suggestion that actually there is actually a group of animals called penis worms and I can't remember their scientific the name of their scientific um, group, but it actually has phallus or something in the, something like that in the, right. in the scientific name. Phallacidae. Tur- <laughs> Turns out they're not penis worms; they are peanut worms. Right. Turns out it is a peanut worm. Did it just this, looks like a penis. Did this debate ensue on board the investigator, or is it something that happened after you got back to shore? Um, it kind of was on board the. We don't like being wrong. <laughs> you know, we're supposed to be the experts in some things. Um, so it did appear, and and the. The consensus has come back from the experts that it is a peanut worm. Right. But is it a new like is a species that? Oh, is it a new species? Is it something that we don't know? We don't know. We is this another one of these experts not knowing? And well, yeah. <laughs> I would suggest that um, we certainly collected new fishes. Mm-hmm. We think we've got new fish species mm-hmm. on the on the trip. Certainly, heaps of new records, and they're just fishes. Um, I mean, it turns out a lot of some of those, like the faceless fish, is known from the Gulf of Oman all the way to Hawaii, <laughs> scattered localities. So same spe- same species, or we don't. Um, know I don't again. know how many tissue yeah. samples. So mm. you, you really need to do genetics on these on yeah. these things. So until mm-hmm. lots and lots of the invertebrates will be new, but until people look at them seriously and do the genetics on a lot of things, we won't mm. know. So. I don't know how widespread... I'm not an expert on peanut worms at all. Um, I don't know how widespread they are. There seems to be a lot of dispersal. And that was part of the trip to find out, look at the communities and find out the gene flow in amongst, you know, those. So what lies next in terms of sorting, naming, preserving, displaying? What what sort of plan have you got for this enormous trove of stuff that's come up? Yeah. So of all the people on board... um, Fishers, fishers went to um, Museum Victoria. We'll go to Museum Victoria and CSIR and Hobart. So we will have a workshop and we will work up that material. And there's also deep water material from the Great Australian Bite. So the fish guys, people will have a workshop. Um, groups were divided up. So all the echinoderms, um, including you know the brittle stars and the sea stars and the um, holotherians, heaps and heaps of sea cucumbers, all came to Museum Victoria. Other groups came to mu- come to Museum Victoria, but. Crustaceans. A lot of the crustaceans will go to the went to the Australian Museum. Um, corals were split between um, Tasmanian Museum and an institution in Russia. Um, sponges have gone to the Queensland Museum. So things have been separated depending on the expertise of the people aboard. The next plan is obviously the material has to be worked up. Um, it will go images and whatever will go onto the Atlas of Living Australia, and that supposedly will happen in a year but some of these things take a long time Mm. to work up and describe um the fish fauna wasn't huge um we were working mostly with a four meter wide beam trawl so you you don't really catch a lot sometimes we caught a lot of mud and we caught clinker and we caught pumice sunken pumice all sorts of and we caught rubbish Mm. so sometimes you'd come up in like a giant can of paint um things Mm. like that so so the plan is to work up the material but you know, it doesn't happen tomorrow. Have you got lots of potential budding taxonomists, sort of third-year students kind of jumping up and down at potential honours projects or...? Um, 
not with fishes, but perhaps potentially with the other ones. Mm. I don't know. Taxonomy is a little bit of a difficult thing in universities these days, isn't they? It's all changed. Absolutely. Diane, uh, oh, so I'm going to talk about the display before we move on. Um, so there's the, the actual faceless fish is on display till 31st of August, is that right? Or the 21st or something like that. Okay. Yes, yeah, so until the end of Science Week, I think. Right. However, you want me, there's going to be more. Please. So um, the museum is having these events called Nocturnal, which is kind of bands and bars and people get to see some things and they get to wander around the museum. We had a first one a couple of weeks ago. So there will be another Nocturnal on the 4th, I think, if that's a Friday, 4th of August, where some of us will have some of the critters out from this trip. We're planning on the Thursday before that that Tim and I will do a little lecture come show and tell in the theatre. Um, the night before that and during science week we'll put on another display we'll put on another little pop-up display showing the stuff and there'll be some talks on science week about that so it's not ended brilliant we're going to move on diane but um when we go into the green room uh we will we will line up a time for you to come back because i want to hear so much more about this trip and uh, and sort of what lies next as you discover and name and classify these these creatures that have come up Fantastic. Awesome. Thanks so much for coming in. Thank you for having me. Diane Bray from Museums Victoria. We're going to uh, listen to a station announcement. Triple R presents La Mama's 50th Mini Fest on now until August 13th. Carlton's La Mama Theatre has been a crucible for cutting-edge contemporary theatre since 1967. Featuring works new and old this week, see Hotel Bonagilla by Tess Liziotis, a reflection on the 21st century and the migrant experience. Jill O'Callaghan's Republic, the turbulent history of Ireland and its influence on Australian politics. And Daniel Schluss's response to Jack Hibbard's A Stretch of the Imagination. For tickets and the full program, head to lamama.com.au. Triple R sponsors. To celebrate 10 years of protecting rangers and wildlife around the globe, the Thin Green Line Foundation is holding a green carpet gala at the Forum Theatre, including a keynote talk from Professor Tim Flannery, Music by the Melbourne Scar Orchestra, East Arnhem Land musicians Witiana, Yermul Marika and more. Tuesday, July 18th. Tickets available at ticketmaster.com.au. Thin Green Line. Triple R sponsors. Hi, this is Wayne Lynch and you're listening to Radio Marinara on 3RRR. Hey, thanks, Wayne. Yeah. John. Yeah, just before we um, wrap up and the doctors come in, we'll, I just want to bring up the, the iceberg because there's there's icebergs floating out there. Well, it's not quite floating out there, but we had a massive iceberg break off the Larsen Sea ice shelf, which is sort of on the, on the peninsula which heads towards South America, so it's sort of more northerly, if you can call it a northerly part of Antarctica. Um, but they've had a, a calving event, which I think is a very cute way of saying that they're, you know, it has given birth to a iceberg calf, I guess, in that sort of sense, um, of a one trillion ton iceberg, which is 6,000 kilometres, square kilometres. Um, at the moment, it's kind of stuck up there in the sea, in the sea ice, but when uh, when summer comes, it will be f- breaking up and floating away and causing tr- causing troubles. Um, but yeah, a very big event because I've had a number of, um, of the uh, of, of large carvings and also the ice sheets breaking up in the in around that area. So anyway, a, a big event. Hugely significant. Mm. Mm. Thank you, John. Thank you, Bron. <laughs> and thanks, Nerida, who's been panelling for us today. And thank you, Kent, who's been taking all those calls and we'll have our program up as a podcast sometime in the next few hours. Uh, thank you to our guest today as well, Diane Bray from Museum Victoria. Uh, 
Doc, uh, Terry, who was on the phone, and Gabrielle McCorkle from Stop Adani. There's a whole bunch of stuff we will be putting up on our Facebook page um, from today's program. Next week, Dr. Beach is in. Uh, we're going to catch up with AJ from uh, Dive to You about the great sponge transplant in Bel- Blair Gowrie and uh, some of the uh, stats they've got on success rates of the transplants of those sponges um, and, uh, and other sessile marine invertebrates. So really looking forward to catching up with AJ on that. Stay tuned for Radiotherapy. They will take you through to 11 and we will be back next week. Bye for now. For complete access to the Triple R archives, which include over 100 interviews, live to air performances, documentaries, and other Triple R specials, become a subscriber via the link on our website. Thanks for listening to Triple R.